Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. Um, the Lord calls us to rise up, speak up and listen. He, he's calling us to take an active role in the world around us to participate in the work of justice, to be loyal and loving and walk humbly before him. And so when God says to do justice, uh, uh, he's, he's asking for more than thoughts and prayers. I get so sick of every time I hear a tragedy, people offering thoughts and prayers instead of working to fix the situation. Amen. Let's get into the word. Uh, turn with me, if you will, uh, to the book of Micah. That's the book of Micah in the Old Testament. I'm going to be reading uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Again, that is Micah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. It is right after Jonah and right before Nahum. So it's towards the back of the Old Testament. Again, that is Micah, chapter 6 verses 1 through 8. There are many translations um, of the Bible, um, and I'm going to be reading the New International Version. Let's see what it has to say for us today. Amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear you, mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered? Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. Well, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves a year old, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name is great and greatly to be praised. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather once again in your word. Lord God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Uh, may your word go forth and do what your will desires in the kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Uh, for the time that we get to spend together today, I'd like to talk a little bit about the search for satisfaction. The search for satisfaction. Growing up, I hated getting punished. I did not like to get in trouble. I would go months without punishment sometime. I just don't like it. But what I hated more than punishment was that when my mother would come into my room and talk to me after the whooping, mom would be talking to me as I'm trying to recover and uh, would tell me what I did to get in trouble, why that was the wrong decision, and what I should have done and said. But I was so mad that I was in trouble that sometimes I did not want to hear what she had to say. Another reason I would not like hearing what I was doing wrong was because I thought anybody asking me to do more than I was already doing was being unreasonable. I felt there was no way to satisfy them anyway. Mom wants me to do my chores every night, complete all my homework, and be focused at school and perform well at sports. Nope, doing all of that is too hard. Mom is mad at me for getting a C in a class when I could have done higher. Well, that's as good as it's gonna get. I'm, I can't do any better. Uh, if I was editing a video as an adult and someone asked for some additional uh, corrections or to make some changes, nope, because if I make those changes, they'll have a million more changes and will never be satisfied. It kind of reminded me of the song, I can't get no satisfaction. I could go on, but the point is, I felt like people's expectations were unreasonable when they weren't that bad at all. Nobody likes being told they are wrong. No one wants to finish a job and see someone point out, you missed the spot there, you got this part wrong. No one wants to hear that the problems they have right now are their fault. But the unfortunate truth is we need to listen to it sometimes. We need to be told what we did wrong or we may not learn how to do better next time. If you ignore what happened and don't let anybody bring it up, you are doomed to repeat the same mistake later on. And God is having that conversation now, that kind of conversation with the people of God in the book of Micah. I heard one scholar describe the book of Micah as bad times are ahead and it's your fault. The setting of Micah chapter six is like a courtroom and some people have called this uh, a divine lawsuit. They've called the book a divine lawsuit and the text that I read Micah six, one through eight, even though I read it straight through, it's actually a bit of back and forth uh, between two parties and it reads like a liturgy where people call in response. And in the text, God is making a case against Israel again and God is inviting Israel to plead their case. Uh, 
Uh, and one would expect God to be angry, uh, to have some sort of righteous, divine anger. But the text shows God is bewildered and confused as to why the people are acting this way. Uh, while I didn't read it uh, in the scripture reading, a little bit of background in the book of Micah is one of the situations happening is rich landowners are exploiting the vulnerable people in the community. Uh, Micah 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 says they covet fields and seize them. Uh, they defraud a man of his home and a fellow man of his inheritance. Basically, in Jerusalem, the rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer. And this was happening and the playing field was not level. God despises people taking advantage of those less fortunate than them. And that is what was going on in Jerusalem when the book of Micah was written. God brought the people out of slavery gave them wise and powerful leaders. Uh, and he mentioned some of them by name, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. I like that, that he mentions not only the men that led them out, but the women. Brought them into the promised land, yet no matter what they achieve or obtain, they want more. Instead of enjoying the good life that God has given to them, they resort to corruption and injustice to satisfy their wishes and expectations. And God wants to know why they are acting this way. That's why he says in the verse, answer me, kind of like a parent frustrated with their child. Uh, one scholar says in Feasting uh, on the Word that after they hear the accusation, the people, as usual, miss the point. God, what possibly more could you want from us? You want more sacrifices and more expensive livestock? How about a thousand sheep? Just how religious can we be? They are religious, but their idea of what religions means is far from what God hopes from them. You see, they think that worshiping uh, religion rather speak, uh, means worshiping correctly and staying away from those who do not. But that is not what God wants. They are being questioned and the first thing they come to is a style of worship and upping the style of worship in order to satisfy God. The people hear that God is mad and they take it to the extreme. And they start bringing up things that God didn't even ask for, making it seem like they can never satisfy God. They go as far in those back and forths as listing and mentioning human sacrifice in verse 7. And I want you to watch the text because they are taking it to the extreme. And even though God has not asked for any of that, he hadn't asked for any of that, including not asking for human sacrifice. The people worshiping other gods were the ones that were doing human sacrifice at that time, but not Yahweh. But they took it to the extreme. We also do that. We take our responses to situations to the extreme. 
pastor makes a change at the church or in the worship service, and people think that the pastor doesn't love God anymore and is trying to undo all the tradition. We get into arguments with people, right? And maybe our spouses or our loved ones, and we'll say, you always do this or you never do that. And we get caught up and say things that are not true. We're just trying to make a point because we value the ritual over the relationship. But God tells them what he really wants from the people. The answer has nothing to do with how much money they have in their pockets. It has nothing to do with the style of worship they prefer. It has nothing to do with status symbols. God wants the people to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Act justly. Uh, some translations say uh, do justice. Um, the Lord calls us to rise up, speak up, and listen. He, he's calling us to take an active role in the world around us to participate in the work of justice, to be loyal and loving and walk humbly before him. And so when God says to do justice, uh, uh, he's, he's asking for more than thoughts and prayers. I get so sick of every time I hear a tragedy, people offering thoughts and prayers instead of working to fix the situation. Acting justly is more than just wishing well for someone. It's about actively participating in helping people. It's about standing up for what's right and speaking for those who can't speak for themselves. To act justly means to work on behalf of people who are weak or powerless or exploited by others. Acting justly was the opposite of what the rich landowners in Jerusalem were doing as they exploited the vulnerable people in their community. How can you say you love God who you haven't seen and hate your neighbor who you see every day? Act justly towards one another. Love mercy. Uh, some translations say love mercy. Some translations say love kindness. Either way, the Hebrew word used in the text is hesed. That means a solemn promise, a covenant, a devotion, a willingness not only to feel some way, but to make a record about it. And so when God says to love kindness or love mercy, it's about loyalty. It's about love. It's about faithfulness. It's about being there for others in good times and bad. It's about being a friend, a brother, a sister, a mother, a father to those in need. To love mercy means to hold on to the promise and do something about it. Walk humbly with God as well. We really don't celebrate the humble. We like the brash, the bold, and the flamboyant. It gets our attention even if we don't like being that way ourselves. We want to see it in others even if we're not going to be brash. Uh, but God says to walk humbly with him. Walking humbly means to walk carefully with God, circumspectly even. It means taking care of the little things and doing the work consistently for him. 
Uh, to walk humbly with God means to be mindful of his presence in our lives and seeking to honor him in all that we do. Doing those things will satisfy God. When we act justly, we tend to have good relationships with the people around us. When we love mercy, we, we, we feel like we're in step with the almighty God. And, and true satisfaction does not come from property or power or money. Instead, it comes from being right with God and, and the people around us. It comes from being right with God and the people around us. And if you don't like Old Testament, the New Testament has something there, too, around the gospel. According to Matthew, the 22nd chapter, when they asked Jesus a question to test him, saying, Teacher, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. And a second is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. On these two things hang all the law and the prophets. Over and over again, this book keeps telling us to love God and to love people. And the Lord doesn't require these things of us because we can repay him or earn our way into our, his favor. He asks these things of us because he loves us immensely and because we are saved by grace. You cannot repay God for all he has done. You cannot earn your way in. But the good news is, is God does not walk away from the table. And so when we love God and do the simple things, we can satisfy him. Act justly. Love mercy and walk humbly with God. So let us rise up. Let us speak up. Let us listen to the Lord. Let us act justly. Let us love mercy. Let us walk humbly before him and let us remember that we cannot repay him for all he has done. But by his grace, we are saved. And so let us give thanks and praise and praise him for all he has done for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Pray with me, please. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to get into your word. We ask that your word be a good seed that is planted in good soil and produces a great harvest for your kingdom. And if there is anyone that wants to know Jesus in the pardoning of their sins, let them ask, what must I do to become saved? Let your Holy Spirit do its holy work through your holy people in your holy church for your holy kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simp Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching and God bless.